Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. I'm joined again by a friend of the show, Jacob Pusey. Jacob, thanks for joining me again. Thanks, Rob. Good to be back. Always enjoy having you on the show. I know a lot of people really enjoyed hearing your brother's full interview, and I figured I'd reach out for a full interview. He, I mean, he said that you taught him everything he knows, so we got to go to the source, right? Yeah, um, other than humility. You know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't teach him humility or all the languages that he knows or anything about music or... <laughs> I don't. I don't have the beard growing skills or the ab yeah. skills. So I, you know, I may have taught him a few things, but he's he's got me beaten most most realms of life. So. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you coming back on the show, and and you've you've truly been a, a really great supporter of the show, and you know you've been on two or three times now. So thank you again for joining me. Who who are you sponsored by? Let's give them a quick shout out, and uh, let's start digging in. Sure. Um, so my, my shoe sponsor is ultra running and, um, they've also started a, a apparel line as well. And so, um, I wear, I wear whatever they provide as long as it doesn't compete with other, um, apparel that I have as long so, as, as long as it's not too scandalous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the cool thing about ultra is that they are made, I mean, it, it's a company founded by runners and run by runners. And so, you know, if, if something comes out, it doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little taller than some people on the team and, uh, have broader shoulders and kind of same thing with, with footwear, you know, like they, I wear what works and I don't lie if I don't like something. (laughs) If someone asks me, what do you think of this shoe? I'm like, I hear great things about it. It just doesn't work for me. And so, you know, I've I've found shoes in the ultra line that really work for me. And so I I wear their shoes and um, and I I wear those, uh, the the apparel that that fits. (laughs) I I like their shoes, but I've been super impressed with how they're backing their athletes. I mean, truly, truly impressive stuff with who they're, backing and yeah i i wear hokas sometimes and then i also wear uh the lone peak three fives yeah a lot but, of times and and i'm i like the shoes but i am also super impressed with the company themselves and how they're backing athletes it's very impressive for the trail running community and running community so yeah it's it's really cool to see um i mean it, i i've been um a tangential part of uh the the company since since it started and so simply through you know friendship with uh, one of the founders golden harper uh, we were we were teammates in college and so it's been cool to kind of see it grow from the from the very beginning um awesome. other than yeah so it's it's really cool to to see that come together um and just see how how they're able to get more involved with the sport as as the company grows um I've also been with Epic Bar um, for for quite a while, and again, like uh, pretty much all my sponsors, uh, it's because I have a personal connection with <laughs> with those founders. They're small companies. Some of them have been bought up by larger companies, but uh, the the founders are still uh, very much a part of the direction of that company. So Epic Bar is a is a sponsor. Um, they feed me and my family, uh, you know, sustainable um, meats and um, other 
plant or animal based products. Um, and first endurance again, a long time sponsor. Um, I've been with them since, uh, basically as long as I've been with ultra, um, I love their, their multivitamins and, and their recovery drinks. So the multi B and the, um, ultragen, I, they're my go-to in terms of just keeping me healthy and, and keeping my family healthy. Cool. Um, I'm trying to <laughs> not, not forget anyone. Um, so I've been with Nathan sports as well. Um, I think the first handheld water bottle I ever bought was a, <laughs> was a Nathan bottle and, and I've been using them ever since. Uh, and that was since I first started trail and ultra running. Do they have uh, a, a Pusey vest yet? Are they, <laughs> is that in development? I mean, they can kind of like leverage both you and your brother and like, you know, get more bang for their buck. And yeah, I think, I think most runners don't come in a size XXL. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, that, they, they'd have to just kind of It'd start, be a pretty limited playing. market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, really, really wide girth, um, for those ones. But, uh, yeah, so we, we don't yeah, all we'll... have eight or 12 pack, <laughs> 10, 12 packs. So yeah um, a strap to go in between each each ab uh, muscle um let's see we've got um it, it, one of the cool things is that my brother and i share a lot of our sponsors and, and we have from the beginning so that's that's a lot of fun um i'm able to leverage his beard and try and you know hop on that um let's see proform um proform has provided me with some uh really phenomenal equipment that allows me to to train um around a busy schedule with with kids and work and and everything and cool. and, and winter yeah so uh that's it's huge that's in canada really helpful. that's for sure yeah. um there's a distributor up here in canada um, in calgary called planet foods and, and so they provide me with um just kind of a wide variety of of foods from kombucha to um to nut bars and uh, anything in between um, waffles, just all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, let's see, Swiftwick socks. Uh, I, I believe Swiftwick was actually my first like running sponsor, um, and so uh, I've been with them. Been wearing their merino wool socks. We're, we're getting through the gear questions too, Jake. Like this is <laughs> I'm great. I'm sorry. <laughs> so no toe socks. Okay. All right. I, no, I, I don't wear the toe socks. Um, <laughs> Swiftwick has has worked. I, I've I've tried on the Injinjis and uh, or toe socks and um, I I'm, in, I'm such an outcast. I'm such yeah. an outcast for even trying those. Gosh. Yeah. No, think? no, no. They, to- they totally work for people. Yeah. <laughs> if they work, then then go for it. Uh, my philosophy is if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So um, I've I've used actually all kinds, and I, I I mean, if I use like squirrels nut butter in between my toes for regular socks, I have like no issues. And toe socks, I mean, they work. Sometimes I can get away with less, yeah. you know, lube in the toes, and <laughs> it's yeah. I, I enjoy a bunch of different socks, so I'm not only toe socks for the listeners' background. Yeah. So yeah, Swift, no, I, Swiftwick is Swiftwick. Yeah, they they've been working really well for me for a long time, and then um, Trail Butter. Nice. And, uh, Trail Butter again. Uh, like I, I remember <laughs> one of my first ultras. The founder Jeff Boggs, um, one of the Boggs brothers, was was at one of the first ultras up in up in the Portland area, and he was there just like handing out samples and this was when he was still like blending the stuff in his basement while he was working as a landscaper full-time and i mean so so he literally <laughs> was like, of with, like a jar of, of, <laughs> of nut butter and it was like okay this is what i made this week you know and that's uh, awesome and it out for free and so 
it's it's just cool like i love this community and i love that i've been able to partner with like real people like i th- there are people behind these brands and so it's not this big that's, corporate feel it's that's, friends you know so, so i i get occasionally like negative feedback and they're like oh like uh you know training for ultras become a corporate sellout and i'm like like i'll read these negative reviews and i'm like are you, are you joking like <laughs> like brian frank and like Hammer Nutrition is not a giant corporation. Like, and yeah, I am like I'm like friends with the guys that are on like working calls and trying to help people out and making the stuff. And like, like same with Sufferfest beer. Like these aren't giant. All all of our sponsors between both of us like they're small corporations that care about the running community and they're like reinvesting and taking. I would say sizable amount of the profits in reinvesting in the community. Exactly. So I I have a lot of respect for, you know, the, the companies that are backing you. And I just had to throw that out because God, some of these negative reviews, I know anime Flynn this week has been getting flack from people and like, like this is a loving community. Like this, the trail running community and running communities, like some of the nicest people, it's a reason it's a it's a big reason that I get out there just cuz I love you know hanging out and talking to people and it's shocking like in social media sometimes people are just so they're either negative or just like ripping people down and I I don't get it um I just had to throw that out cuz it's it's no I, been on I my appreciate mind. that yeah, because it, the vast majority of of trail runners aren't like that and yeah, uh yeah you know 99% at least right yeah i mean it, and it's it doesn't mean that we all have to like have the same thoughts or or this even the same values yeah. um but but i think we can all be civil and uh yeah. and so i do, i do get frustrated when when people <laughs> have a really strong opinion and and it's just kind of like it is this is what it is because i said it is and it's like yeah it's, that's you must have some personal experience with that and that's great but you know like we can keep open minds and and not bash people (laughs) uh, yeah i mean everyone's different and i recall i got a one star review because someone didn't like how my voice sounds and they immediately had to unsubscribe so it's like ah you know i can't help that okay if you yeah. really dislike the sound of my voice that much and you want to take half an hour and write a review on that like all right but yeah i it's i think it's it's um it's also refreshing because um they seem to be taking off and and i don't want to over focus on this i want to focus on you this episode but um yeah, I mean, I think overall the community is super supportive. And Jacob, you've been a big part of the running community throughout the years, and you've been, you know, a big supporter of this show. And you, you reached out, had to be one of my very first episodes, and you know, asked if you could help in any way. And and I really appreciate it. And when did you start running? Because I know, I know it goes pretty back. Uh, it goes back pretty far with your family. Um, yeah. When did you start realizing that running was fun? Um, 
you know, my brother touched on this a bit, but we, we honestly, you know, we grew up in a, in a large family in a small home. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of space and, um, but there was a lot of open space outside of where we lived. We, we only ever lived in very small, small rural communities. And so, uh, we were outside running around, building things, scraping our knees, um, catching things, uh, snakes, lizards, toads, frogs, mice, rabbit, <laughs> whatever we could catch. And, uh, anything moving. Yeah. Um, anything that we could <laughs> kind of hold on to for a while. Um, including, you know, we, we got so into it that it wasn't ever intentional, but you know, I, I couldn't have been older than eight when I caught a rattlesnake on accident. Cause I thought it was a bull snake and was walking home with it in a double gulp cup. Um, wow. and, uh, <laughs> with my hands covering the top and (laughs) so yeah i mean we were just reckless little snot-nosed kids you know that like running around with our shirts basically doing what we're doing now um but but a lot smaller and (laughs) yeah and a lot a lot leaner and uh is that is that we just lived outside (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it was it was a good life like i i i hope that we can provide um even even a modicum of what uh our parents provided for us we had we had very little in terms of um you know financial means growing up it was it was pretty tight most of the time but man i i I wouldn't trade that for the world we we lived outside usually barefoot and just running around the desert catching stuff and it was it was what a childhood is supposed to be and um so that's when i started running um I didn't actually begin running competitively until my family relocated from from the southwest, uh, southwestern United States to the Pacific Northwest, and mm-hmm. again another small rural farm community. And uh, so that's that's when I started running was in middle school. And then, um, to be honest, I, I don't think I really started liking it <laughs> until more than a year into it. You know, I, I ran to get in shape for basketball. And I, it was, it was actually the eighth grade was the first time I was allowed to do more than one sport. Um, because we had such a large family and, um, you know, it wasn't that my parents were trying to encourage specialization. It was actually, they were trying to encourage balance and (laughs) they didn't want us, you know, traveling the world just because some club team was traveling the world and someone was lying to them <laughs> that their kid was going to be the next NBA all-star yeah. or something like that. So sports are expensive too. I mean, I can't imagine how, how many kids did you grow up with? Um, how many brothers and sisters did you have? Uh, there were six kids in our family. Oh and my so, gosh. Um, yeah, I was the, I was the oldest of four boys. Um, I had an older sister who wasn't, uh, terribly athletic, um, and wasn't really just, interested in sports she's since um <laughs> become a, a runner an um, ultra and, runner and, i'm sure right <laughs> <laughs> yeah she she's uh she's run a, a marathon or two and, and some halves and um it's been really fun to like coach her and work with her and actually bump into her at some relays like ragnar type relays and things so it's been fun to see her choose running when she did choose um, but it was later in life like once she started a family and things and I think it was more to just like <laughs> connect with other adults every once in a while, yeah. for, you know, 4am runs. Um, so yeah, I was the oldest. And so, uh, my parents said I could play one sport as long as it wasn't baseball or football. And so <laughs> that, that left basketball or soccer. And so I, I played basketball and, uh, I played that uh, fairly competitively up through I think 10th grade. And so, um, I, that was, you know, I, 
even though I wasn't hadn't even surpassed five foot um, by that point, I still thought I was going to you know be the next. I don't know, John Stockton, I was hoping. Yeah. Um, just some some crazy <laughs> fast white guy that could just, you know, split the defense and pass any which way. And um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of my, those were my hoop dreams. And so I started running just so that I could uh, get a little more hustle in me and get some more endurance. So that was the hope. Um, but uh, something clicked. I, when I was in ninth grade, um, I ran cross country and um, worked my way up from like basically dead last and, and eventually how, how became did, the... How did that come up? Like how how did you sign up for for cross country? Like was that a double dare, yeah. a dare? Like did someone, were you, did you want to um, run with a girl or something? Like you don't, <laughs> si- you don't sign up for that like normally. Uh, one of my good friends, it's a um, punishment normally, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, one of my good friends was doing it and, uh, and his cousin who was a girl was doing it as well. And it was a co-ed sport. I think the year before we, he and I played soccer and, and probably because it was a co-ed sport and then he was a year older. And so he chose to do cross country when he was in high school. And so I decided to do it because I really looked up to him. His name was Cameron and so I uh I Cameron just kinda... started this mess for Cameron started this mess yeah. <laughs> uh Cameron and his cousin Mary so um uh and they were they were neighbors and good family friends and cool. you know it, it was kind of it was kind of a combination of things um by the time I got into high school some of my friends who I had grown up playing basketball with were were making typical teenage choices and yeah. and to be quite honest I was I was with most of them when we're, they were doing what they were doing. And uh, I was with a couple when they got arrested and, um, it scared me. <laughs> uh, it made me realize that, you know, I, even though I wasn't doing everything that they were doing, I was guilty by association. And I, and I knew that if I kept hanging around them, I'd, I'd end up doing the same things and getting caught. And, um, so I, I needed to make a change and, and Cameron was not doing those things and, and neither was Mary or her older brother. And so, uh, part of it was just kind of trying to make a deliberate change in, um, I, you know, those people are still my friends, uh, my, my friends from then, or if we saw one another, there wouldn't be any animosity or anything, but I, I just knew that if I kept doing what we were all doing, I'd, I'd end up in the wrong place. So I, I made a choice to, to run with a different crowd literally. And, uh, and it really changed <laughs> the trajectory of my life. So um, I haven't looked back, but I'm I'm very grateful that I. So I'm guessing great, your grades also were getting better, and were were you noticing differences like I don't know with with mental development like yeah you know, um, running were you feeling better and thinking more clear? To, yeah, um, school was never much of a challenge for me. I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything like that but it, it all came quite naturally to me and um we even though we didn't have a lot financially we we had a ton of books in our house and so we we read and discussed everything under the sun at the dinner table and, and we were expected to to participate and to develop arguments and things like that so it was i, I wish those dinner conversations were recorded because because <laughs> your, your brother said the same thing the exact same thing and it's like man like if I wanted to become a doctor, I should have just been at that dinner table and 
it was it was really it like I said like I my parents have their own idiosyncrasies and um you know there there are things that you know that that they have changed since we were kids and and they don't they don't look back on it um proudly in in a lot of ways and yet at the same time like my my dad worked all sorts of different jobs but you know if, if he ever saw anyone whether they were hitchhiking or whether they were at the supermarket or anything if they needed anything they were at our dinner table that night and they were eating with us sometimes they were staying the night sometimes they were they moved in with us wow, um, i didn't know there that. was there was never a question if anyone had anything it, even if it was taking food out of his own kids mouths he would he made sure that you know he very much believed that if he if he gave to someone that that asked and or was you know in need it, he it would it would come back and and repay him and our family and, and at the very least <laughs> we'd feel good about it and and so some of the lessons that we learned were from people from other countries that could hardly speak english or um who had fought in vietnam and were dealing with some some challenges or you know it or but sometimes you know they were doctors and lawyers and diplomats and it, everyone was welcome at our dinner table and you know i <laughs> drug dealers <laughs> and and even murderers and I, like i mean I, we we heard all sorts of stories, but everyone was equal. There was no there was no hey this guy works in this you know state senate so and he's wearing a suit so you need to bow down and kiss this ring. It was like no everyone was equal, including the kids in the family. And so we were expected to to keep up. We were, we wow. were treated like adults so and expected to behave like adults. And a, ra- was, a random I don't know senator or somebody shows up and are you asking him questions like as a a young guy like you know ninth tenth grader like are you like actually interjecting and debating and you know within the conversation at that dinner table yeah i mean uh, and it, it was it was even younger than that i, I remember uh, our family doctor was from as a really little kid uh you know seven eight years old was from trinidad and uh and so he was of african descent and you know, he was a doctor. And so at no point did my parents teach what some of the other people in the area would have taught that somehow this man was inferior because he looked different than my brother. And I, in fact, it was like, this guy is a doctor and this guy has saved our family and he'd make home visits and stuff like that. And so I was like, man, this guy, this guy should be held on on a pedestal, not because he's a doctor, but because he, he knows what he does and he's passionate about it. And he, and he heals people. He He helps, he helps the family. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it was a lot of it was just observation. We listened. They rarely talked about medicine. It was almost always about politics and things. And so yeah. um, and, you know, so it it was more through observation and, and just by listening. But, yeah, if we had a question, we were expected to treat everyone with respect, um, whether they were living in their car or living on the <laughs> on the other side of the tracks from us um, because they were living so well. It was everyone was welcome and and that was you know we we had a picnic table <laughs> that was our family dinner table our entire lives growing up i think my parents still have at least remnants of it as their <laughs> as the family table and so it was quite humble and and yet there are still people that that sit at that table that that's you know are in <laughs> in the u.s congress you know and that's just kind of and yet there are also people that that are homeless that sit at that table in the very same seat and they're treated with just as much respect. And, and if, I love that about if, my family. If I'm, my, if I'm ever, <laughs> yeah, if I'm ever in the area, I'll bring uh, something to grill, maybe some corn on the cob and I'd, I'd love to join you guys. Um, so let's go yeah. back like cross country. Are you starting to see 
progression you said you were kind of finding yourself at the the very end like back of the pack like how did you start progressing as a runner like were yes. you were you training or how did you go about that uh sorry about that tangent <laughs> no i thought it was fascinating um, i i helped yeah. you go down that rabbit hole trust me yeah yeah um yeah so i i made a a, a jump i made gradual progress i think i i cut three or four minutes off my 5k time from the beginning of the season to the end of the season and that felt good i could see you know the law of the harvest and um i could see that it it was improving um i played basketball that winter but i had a friend on the team also a, kind of an upperclassman who took me under his wing and mentored me and his name is dan jones and he was two years older than me and um he wrestled i played basketball after school but we both wanted to be in shape for track and we had, that was our our first year of high school cross country uh, in the fall and and we were both right around the same place toward the end of the season and so he would pick me up at five in the morning um and uh we'd go running in the dark before school and then we would um he lived out in the country so he's a hard-working farm kid like a lot of the kids that i grew up with and uh i lived fairly close to the high school but he'd pick me up and then we'd we'd start from the high school and then we would shower in the locker rooms and eat breakfast in the locker room and go to school uh and so, so you're taking it serious yeah and i at the time i didn't realize that i was i just i didn't know any better but you know he was uh as a as a rural farm town um our ta our, our town was known for its wrestling team and uh and he was one of the top wrestlers in the state and and it was because of that kind of discipline and so he was a leader on the wrestling team but i didn't realize that he was kind of indoctrinating me with like just this tough blue collar work ethic and so from from a young age he he taught me that there is no off season and you know to just grind and so i think we threw down basically every day through the through the fall but even during the winter we had a limited window um to get the run in before we had to get back and shower and um my cross-country coach as as much as he was allowed to, he, he tried to guide us just so that we didn't overdo it. Or, um, so he gave us kind of some, just some routes to run during the, during the winter, um, kind of mapped out a, a very general schedule and, um, track season came around and I didn't notice any differences, but all of a sudden, you know, all the same guys that ran cross country ran track, but very few of them trained seriously during the winter. And, um, by the time our first race came around, I, uh, you know, the very top guys were sent to a varsity meet and all the rest of us were sent to a, a small school varsity meet. Um, so uh, we were running against even smaller schools and uh, I, I, I took the lead in that race and I didn't know what I was doing, and, but it just felt right. Um, and I ran scared and won and, uh, and I was still in ninth grade and, um, and I beat guys on my team that were 10 spots ahead of me in cross country <laughs> in the fall. And that was just, it was like, well, I, I don't know what happened, but I can't let them think that they can beat me again. So I'm just going to keep hammering every day. And, and so I did, that was basically that just kind of, I got addicted to that kind of progress and just that it, it, there was a direct connection to, my discipline and my efforts and the how much i was <laughs> willing to hurt and what kind of risks i was willing to take and so i just 
from there, I just kept going. And um, I, I don't think any of the guys that I beat that day ever beat me again. And then I started seeing other guys on the team as um, kind of marks <laughs> during practice. And so if it was really hot or if we were doing a long run and, or if I could hear any of them, them complain, I'd just make sure I'd push <laughs> during that section. And, and so if I could beat a guy in practice, I knew I could beat him in the race the, that weekend. And so I, just, I worked my way up so that I was actually able to represent the, the track team at the district track meet that year on the varsity team. And, uh, um, yeah, so that's, that's when it kind of happened. So it was almost two years in, um, to, to actually being a, a runner that, that it kind of clicked where it was like, huh, I think, I think I was made to do this. And, um, did you, this is fun. <laughs> and, and at that time, did you have posters taped to your walls? Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. The, the stuff that Tommy talked about. Um, did you I have similar posters, or were you? Did you have baseball posters on your wall also? Or oh, prior to that, like yeah, my room was plastered with posters of Michael Jordan and okay. Scottie Pippen, and I mean, I was a diehard Chicago Bulls fan, um, and uh, I wasn't allowed to have posters of Dennis Rodman. Um, he would have been welcome in our home, but my mom didn't want me idolizing him. See, I, so. I like I, I liked Rodman when he's on the Pistons when I lived in yeah. Michigan. So yeah, yeah, I liked I liked the clean squeaky. <laughs> Squeaky, squeaky clean Rodman um, before yeah. whatever happened the, there. The, the basketball player, not the entertainer. Yeah. Um, no, so I, uh, I, I definitely had my my basketball posters, but then um, again, I was really fortunate to have some really good mentors. And, and as weird as this sounds, um, the guys that held the school records in my high school, I had posters of them. Um, they were they were all at least four years older than me. So none of them were in high school. Um, and, and those records were still at least four years older than, than our era. And, uh, so I had pictures of them to kind of humanize them. And then I had their times and, and those were, those were on our bathroom mirror. They were on our door, those in were, our bedroom. Those were marks, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I still know the times, you know, I, I had 841 for the 3000, all over the place. I had 1517 for 5k and cross country all over the place. I had four flat for 1500. And, um, uh, one of the guy's names was Aaron Lindner and, um, and he was running at the university of Portland at the time. And, and what was cool was he'd come back during the summer and, and that summer after my freshman year in high school, he was, he was coming back from injury and training for his, what would be his sophomore year in college. And it would be my sophomore year in high school. And he had no one else to run with. And so he'd show up to when we were meeting and he'd say, Hey, I'm going to do this. Does anyone else want to come with me? And everyone else was afraid of him and intimidated by him. And I was like, I'll hang as long as I can. <laughs> and nice. I did. And, and, and he was so you just know, you and him would go out nice enough. You know, we, we'd all kind of go, but eventually people would be like, Oh man, this guy's like running for a D one university. We're, yeah. we're just from Hermiston, Oregon. We're just, just scrubs, you know? And it was like, man, I'm, he's he's going 12 i'm gonna go six and i'll just hang on until he turns off and so i did and the next the next season i was i was i went from number 14 guy on the cross-country team to the number one guy on the cross-country team mostly because of him and i think puberty helped but a lot of it was that you know he he was a god <laughs> as far as i was concerned but he was he was humble and he was like man I, I just need someone to do the miles with so if you're willing to you know they might have been easy for him but i was i was willing to to grind so so we did and um, i made that jump and um i guess the rest is history <laughs> so yeah that's yeah. awesome to hear and and so tell me like what's 
what's next? Did you like what college and kind of how that play out? Yeah. Um, well, I, I never qualified for the, the Oregon track meet. Um, we were in a conference with the Bend schools. Um, and so there was a guy by the name of Jesse Thomas in our conference who has since gone on to found picky bar and be an all American at Stanford and be, you know, I think he's one clearly a slacker. Yeah. Yeah. What is he doing with this life? Well, and and he, and he did marry Lauren Fleshman. And so, you know, he, he (laughs) had some pretty, uh, you know, low standards clearly. Um, no, he, he, uh, both of them, um, crushed it. Um, and, and, but basically like he wasn't, he was a phenomenal athlete, but, but bend, was notorious for having athletes like him. He's, he's one of the guys that's still on the scene, but, um, as a triathlete, but, uh, and, and just as, you know, uh, um, an advocate and, a, um, a voice for the sport. But, um, you know, the, it, I was in Oregon at the same time as Ian Dobson and, and some guys that went on to, you know, be Olympians. And so I, I never made it out of my conference. I never qualified for the state meet and, uh, and neither did my brother. And, uh, and neither did Max King and neither did Sage Candidate. And, and to be completely honest, I think it's partially why we're, we're still in it because we, we didn't have a chance to rest on our laurels. <laughs> um, and so we, we fell in love with the process of just grinding and, and working our way up. So um, I walked on to a junior college because I, I didn't have a lot of offers. Uh, I, I did have a few offers from, uh, some local NAIA schools and um, and some local junior colleges, but I, I walked onto a team that uh, had won the the NJCAA uh, National Cross Country Championships the previous year, and uh, and it was in Southeast Idaho, and that's where my sister was going to school, and so it was far enough away from from where I lived that you know I couldn't go home every weekend, and I would have that experience of of going away to college, and um, and the team was good enough that it it wasn't a guarantee that I was just gonna like be the de facto top guy as, <laughs> as a freshman. And it's not like I was good enough to, to be there for most teams, but the only teams that were paying attention to me, it looked like I was more or less, they needed me to score points for them. Whereas this team was like, I, I was told I, I, if I actually wanted to run in college, I, I should probably try another school. And so that kind of motivated me. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll show you, I'm, I'm going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to make the team and, you know, I'll fight tooth and nail every day in practice and every meet. And so that's how it was. I, um, there were only a, a handful of meets where I actually even scored for the team. Um, but I, I made the varsity team and, and they let me practice with the team and travel with the team. And so, um, and, and eventually myself and I think five other walk-ons represented <laughs> the school at the national championships that year and the following year. And, uh, and the following year they did offer me a scholarship. So, so that was, uh, that's, that was my collegiate, um, kind of running experience. Um, that was, that was a decent team. Yeah. It, but what was cool is it was a scrappy team. It reminded me of my, my high school team. Um, it's like I the, did, the mighty ducks of, uh, no, it really was. <laughs> we, uh, I, I have a picture of, of us in Lubbock, Texas, uh, or Leveland, Texas, I think for the, for the national championships one year. And, um, it snowed. There was like a blizzard the night before, and so it was. It was a bunch of white farm kids from from all over Idaho and Oregon and Utah and Wyoming, and just you know scrappy nobodies, uh, surrounded by a bunch of East Africans, many of whom had run in like the World Junior Nationals or the World Junior Championships and stuff like that. And uh, 
and I think we put five guys in the top 25 or something like that. Like we were, we won that pretty handily. And part of it was because we'd been running in the snow since September, but part of it was that we just didn't know any better. We, (laughs) we just, we were scrappy. So we, uh, we outperformed, uh, expectations that year. And then we went back and and won it again the following year, um, against, you know, some, some pretty talented runners. And we had a, a really smart coach coach that uh, just emphasized you know trusting the process and trusting the training and doing the work and that's what we did so and so when when did you run your first marathon when when did you have that crazy idea because that was probably quite a leap in distance is that correct or like yeah. when did you start thinking distance and in, instead of speed yeah, so um, most collegiate cross-country races are 8K for for the men, and then um, usually for the championships, for regionals and nationals, they bump us up to 10K. And uh, I didn't notice that my, my performance really waned too much the longer I went, um, but I had never really run more than a, a 10K uh, as a race. And then um, I took two years off after my, like immediately after my second uh, cross country season in, in college. And I, and I moved to Panama. Um, and I lived there for two years and I didn't, I didn't run or train, um, for two years. I, um, I gained about 25 pounds of, of fried plantains and beans and rice. And, uh, sounds like, that sounds like half of my college experience right there. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I, I gained a lot of weight and, um, and, uh, you know, I walked quite a bit and, um, I sweat a lot and I, I built a lot of houses and dug a lot of, you know, channels to try and redirect water and things. And so I, it was quite a fulfilling time in my life, um, a meaningful, uh, life-changing experience for me, but I, I wasn't there to run. And, and I, to be quite honest, it was a good time. I was, I was kind of burnt out on running. And in fact, I didn't even know <laughs> it was odd when my coach called me and offered me a scholarship for the following year. I had already planned on not returning and, and going um, abroad for a couple of years. And uh, and when he called me and offered me the scholarship, I was like, man, I, this has been my dream my entire, you know, ever since I became a runner was to get a scholarship. And now you're offering me a scholarship. And, and I hesitated. I, 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 I worked so hard as a student and as a, as an athlete that I, I think I had probably like <laughs> blown my endocrine system. And I, like, I was just, toast by the end of my freshman year in college um yeah i I think i tripled at our at our conference championships i ran this 5k 10k and 1500 (laughs) and that was like my last track meet ever um collegiate track meet at least and and by the time i was done i was like huh i think i'm done (laughs) i don't i don't want to lace them up again and i so i didn't run for like two months and then he offered me a scholarship was like I don't know. And so I had a couple weeks to get in shape for the season. And so anyway, uh, I took a, a two year break after that season. And, uh, and so I actually decided to run a marathon kind of on a dare. Um, I returned to the same school because I had an academic scholarship, uh, waiting and, um, and a guy across the hall from my apartment was like, he was a climber and he was like, Hey man, I've got this crazy idea. You want to, want to run a marathon? He'd never run a 5k. And I was like, sure, man, I don't even know if I remember how to run, but, um, I, I don't, now I don't have an excuse to be carrying this extra, you know, 25 pounds around. So, um, I lived right across the street. I found the cheapest apartment I could find, <laughs> lived across the street from the gym. And, uh, so I just walked 
to the gym every morning and, and ran, I just hopped on the treadmill, um, wearing, um, shoes that my brother <laughs> had been wearing because they were the only running shoes I could find at the house when I got home. And so I just wore old running shoes and, and I ran 10 miles every morning before class and, uh, on the treadmill because it was freezing and, uh, and I'd been in Panama. So I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm running out in the snow. So you, uh, so I, you just, I just, you know, start up like seven, 70 mile weeks and <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was that's a good was, way uh, to lose I, 25 pounds if i've ever i did one. i mean it, it, was, it was like gone in a month you know i was like oh, oh there it goes and and then uh you know i i was taking a bunch of classes because i was hoping to transfer um and i i had a former teammate that had transferred to a school in hawaii and so he said you know if you want to we'd love to have you and i was like yeah i don't really know if i like this running thing but uh you know i I had four months to lose 25 pounds and run a marathon. So I, I, I ran, yeah, I was running 10 miles a day. And then some, sometimes if I got done with all my homework, I'd go back to the gym and run another 10 miles and, uh, <laughs> like no clue what I was doing. It was just like, that's a reward have, for doing yeah. your homework. Yeah. Oh, and so I do that. And I had no social life. Um, I had no interest in anything that most people have interested in, in university. I didn't drink. I didn't, chase girls i i just wanted to i think i was taking 22 credits or something like that so i was just like okay if if i can get done with this i'm gonna go run again and so i did and then um yeah i ran my first marathon and uh I, it went surprisingly well through about i think 18 or 20 miles like the first two hours mm-hmm. um i didn't have a clue what i was doing but i just ran like i did every other race i just tried to like run with the leaders and um come come to find out they they actually made a living as marathoners and um but i you know i went through probably the half marathon <laughs> with some of them and then uh the wheels started to come off but i i oh and i hadn't i didn't drink any water or eat anything until like mile 20 and then all of a sudden uh i just i could hardly walk but um somehow i finished in a respectable enough time that even my you know my former college coach was like man, that's faster than I've ever run. And he was, you know, an all American steeplechaser and he, he knew how to train and stuff. And, and it was, it was faster than I, I didn't even know what a good time was, but it, it caught the attention of the, the college coach that I, at the school where I was hoping to transfer. And so he offered me a scholarship. And so I actually, yeah, I ran my first marathon after what was technically my sophomore year of college. Um, what, it's, after, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter what time it was, because I've never even I've I've never broken four hours myself. Um, what yeah. time was it? It had to have been pretty quick to you know pique people's interest. Yeah, um, it was. I think it was uh, two thirty-five, and wow. so uh, yeah, it, with it, it no had... water or anything. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I like I, I felt bad. Like this little uh, kid was standing on the side of the road, and he had these orange slices, and, and I, I never even thought to like eat anything like that. The, I, I hadn't read anything about what you're supposed to do on a marathon or anything like that. But man, I went by like mile 18, and I just saw him. I just like, I grabbed I think all the oranges out of his, uh, out of his hand, and just like devoured all of them. And he just kind of looked at me like, oh. Those were for like a lot of people. And he's still, dude, I'm sorry. He's yeah. still scarred. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's probably still just probably. It was probably shot, Jim Wamsley know? who's like, <laughs> that's crazy. And so yeah. you seem to have a natural knack for for long distance running. If you're doing two thirty five, first try with no nutrition or hydration or anything, like, yeah. 
when when do you start like there has to be some gap like what fills this gap what bridges this to ultra running um you know i i so i had three more years of of college running and i i didn't run another marathon until the end of uh that uh, so final ba- cross country season this is back so to it, 8k uh, crushing yeah no and, and that's the thing like i i wasn't ever anything like special i i was uh i think my last uh yeah my first year back i think i was usually number two or three on the team um even after running a 235 like i, I just i didn't have like the fire i i was more than willing to put in the work but like i didn't i'd seen so much in um in my time in panama that and I still have a hard time. Like when I run against people from the developing world and it's between me and them, um, they're going to beat me. And it's not it, it, like, unless they're just total punks. I, I can't like, <laughs> I can't bring myself to like throw down. Um, and so it's just like, dude, it's all yours, man. Like I, I cannot, take food from your kids mouths my kids are fine and and i have an education and i have the means to provide even without running running something i do i i'm able to make a little bit of money doing it and mostly as a coach and as a race, as a race director but uh man that the first couple of years back it was like if it was between me and someone that wasn't middle class or upper middle class uh, it wasn't going to be like I, it wasn't going to be a fight um and that, maybe that's not fair, but that's just, I couldn't bring myself to, after seeing some of the things that I saw, I was like, uh, does this that, is just does that a, still, a race, you know? I mean, does that still affect you today? Like, you're running yeah, in a in a JFK, or I, I don't know what race is, probably not a JFK, because the payout for ultras is not great, but... Yeah, the, the good part is... Will, and, you step, and, will you literally step back and take a place or two less so that you... Yeah, yeah. You can help them out. Yeah, um, and and but but that's not. I don't usually see that in the in the ultra scene, and so I don't feel as conflicted. But everyone, when I'm on the roads, yeah, there's um, there's no money in ultra running. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, on the roads, like uh, with marathons and things. Um, wow. Sometimes, it, to be honest, though, like I'm I'm not fast enough to be in the money anymore. Um, there was a time, and that that's when I that's when I transitioned to ultras. It wasn't because I wasn't fast enough, but it was because I was trying to make the transition. I was trying to become a better marathoner. Um, I I saw that I had potential with my first marathon, and then um, I was fortunate to be at an even smaller school. And um, my physiology and kinesiology professor basically made me and then my brother his lab rats and um <laughs> like he he just he tested the hell out of us and but the data that came back was like yeah you guys are off the charts in certain areas and so if you train specifically and you keep these different parameters in mind when you train like you should <laughs> you shouldn't be the third guy on a on a crappy cross country team, <laughs> you yeah. should you should be crushing it. But but it, it essentially said you know you should be crushing it at, at longer distances. And so it was like okay, it it kind of wet my appetite for wanting to to just I I could care less about where I placed relative to other people. I just wanted to see what I could do. Um, and I and I really did feel that's when I, when I'd run on a mar- run a marathon or anything else like it it just felt like I was in my element. It still does. Like the 
the gun goes off it's not it's not it, you're not wheezing you know it's it's uncomfortable but it's sustainable and it's just you just get into a groove and you just roll and it just feels like that's what you're made to do and so um yeah i i i ran my first ultra because i i i heard that one of the ways to kind of prolong the onset of the wall was to do some runs longer than marathon distance and and or marathon time and uh i was trying to do some of those leading up to marathon and i you know, I'd set bottles out. This was before I owned a handheld or even knew they existed or, or a pack or anything. So I'd set water bottles out like at like five mile intervals and run back and forth between them. And then, you know, I'd try and get there and, or I'd get there and the bottle would be gone or I'd see someone drinking out of my bottle or I'd see wildlife drinking <laughs> or eating my food. And, um, you know, after, you know, on, on a hot day when you're at mile 25 of a long run and you really want that water or, <laughs> or that, whatever you've got out there and, and it's not available. Um, and you're drinking out of like horse troughs <laughs> to not die. Um, like, eh, I got to figure out a way to, to have more reliable fuel to do these long runs. And so I heard of this, uh, the Hag Lake 50 K and just signed up for it on a whim because it sounded like there'd be eight stations every three to five miles. And so I did it as a long it's, run as a build up, I, as a build up for, I had the same, the same experience, a, except I was going probably um, whatever your time was times two. But yeah, like having aid stations that are set up for you, like like for me, my first experience, I was I became an ultra runner actually before I ran a marathon. But setting up like drop bags kind of hidden under leaves or wherever next yeah. to that tree, like it took an hour to drive around, drop them out exactly and then yeah. it takes another hour to go pick him up and you can't hardly walk like <laughs> like i had that same that same exact experience except it was much slower um so yeah. that's what got you in like because i use races all the time i feel like it's just safer in some cases instead of going out on a 50 mile run by myself in the middle of nowhere um so that's that's what got you into Hag Lake. Yeah, I honestly like I I think I had heard of one or two people doing ultra marathons, and I just thought that was crazy. Like I didn't it didn't make sense to me. I was still very much <laughs> kind of a roadie or a track guy. I, I, like I was never fast like in that scene, but I I still only knew that world, and and it it was still kind of the way that I thought and saw things. And for some reason, I was willing to kind of as a as an act of desperation, I just went out to in hopes that I could get in a quality run. The, the other part of, you know, living in a rural town, there, there weren't people to do my long runs with. Like I, yeah, I, I was coaching high school at the time. So I, I had kids to do workouts with and to do my easy runs with, but like I'd, I'd get fired if I took a kid out on a 30 mile run with me, you know? So I didn't, like I, I, <laughs> I growing up, I didn't know any, well, growing up when I started running, I didn't know anyone that was even, crazy enough to train for a half marathon yeah so like looking even beyond to marathon or beyond a marathon there was probably maybe two people within my whole region that were even thinking along the same lines so i get it man and so you had pretty good success right out of the gates is that right yeah um well you know i was actually in the porta potty when the gun went off for that one and so i, I started wearing with <laughs> That's well, glad. I started with That's my with my so pants down, classics. and then I pulled them up, and then I had to stop and take them off eventually <laughs> uh, when I came back through. Um, and then I, 
um, you know, there were some of the some of the legends in the sport were in that race, and some of the legends have run that race. And um, I I didn't really know where I was position wise, but eventually, by the time I crossed the line, I I found myself in first, and so like I won that race, and um, I started getting emails from random people. One of them, Golden Harper, <laughs> who founded Ultra, and he's like, "Hey, man, great job!" and Ty Draney, uh, who, you know, runs for Patagonia and he actually went to the same school that I went to. Um, and so we knew each other because okay. he's an alum and stuff like that. People started reaching out and saying like, nice job. And I was like, dude, this was like this tiny little race in outside of Portland. Like it was like 200 people showed up. It wasn't anything who'd you, huge. You know, who'd you, who'd you beat out that caught everyone's attention? Was there like one or two runners that really, um, I think that year, um, Scott Jaime was there and, okay. um, and he was, you know, doing it as a training run as well. But uh, he, you know, he's been top ten at Hard Rock. I don't know how many times. And so, when you beat a sponsored badass that's like legendary <laughs> in the sport, yeah. um, people, people, it catches people's eyes. But honestly, like I didn't, I didn't realize it was anything. Um, and Nick Triolo was there, um, and he, you know, he's he's run quite fast. Um, so at, at any rate, I didn't no one in the trail scene knew who I was and I didn't know who anyone was. And so I, I just went in blind and ignorant and, um, that worked for a while. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was, that was my first ultra. And, um, I, I was kind of hooked after that. I, it, it didn't beat me up anywhere near as much as what some of even like the 20 mile road runs were doing to me. So I was like, and the people were so chill and, yeah. um, so, so gracious and the, there was no ego and, there was soup afterwards and it was just like this party and I didn't want to leave. I was just like, and, and normally like if I run a road race, it's like, I don't even want to stick around for awards. I, I just want to like get in my car and go home. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to like cross the line. Maybe. Yeah. They hand you your banana and your bottle of water and it's, yeah. And you're, yeah, you're exactly your heat, whatever the foil wrap. And it's just, yeah. <laughs> Unless they're giving out free massages. <laughs> like I'm, <laughs> And, and the other thing was I, I lived so far away from everywhere that it was always a four or five hour drive anywhere. <laughs> so it was like, okay, I, I got to get in the car now. Otherwise I'm not going to get home till the next day kind of thing. So, yeah. um, but I, I truly did want to stick around. And, and so I did. And, and those people, that community became, even though I lived four or five hours away, they became my people, you know, they, they, they became my family and, um, uh, my, my family life at that time, not my, not my parents and siblings, but I, uh, my former marriage, um, was not healthy. And, um, and so those, you know, I was quite private about that, but, um, I sought out every opportunity to connect with, with that community because I felt like I was, it felt like a family reunion. It felt like I was among my, my nuclear family. (laughs) Yeah, Um, no, I totally get it. I mean, it's like, you feel like an outcast because you want to go run on the trails for days. And it's like, there's not many people that you can relate to. And then you show up to an event and it's a hundred other people that want to run on trails for days. It's like, Oh my gosh. Like I found, I found my, my tribe, my calling, my group. And they Mm -hmm. like to put a bunch of, uh, oval shaped, magnets on the back of their cars that have crazy amounts of miles on them and yeah no i i totally i get it and 
tell me how did the years progress because 2013 seemed to be a pretty big breakout year for you were you just enjoying yourself in that that racing scene and so you picked up more races and picked up your training or how'd those few years go yeah um i think it took me a couple years to to kind of figure out ultras and, and where they fit in uh, for the rest of that that first year i think it was 2011 um i continued to race on the roads and and i, I think i only did one or two 50ks um and really like got my ass handed to me <laughs> and and tr- experienced a, bo- a bonk of epic proportions um, at my very next ultra so i i was very quickly humbled i, I wasn't up on that cloud for very long and uh but again, I didn't even know who any of the people were that crushed me. One of the guys happened to be Jeff Rose, and the other guy was Adam Campbell. So I, you know, I, in in hindsight, I, I shouldn't feel that bad that, that they. And the other was Eric Skaggs. So you know, they were all like legit, but I I didn't know who they were. But you so, didn't make uh, the podium, so you felt yeah, like shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even then, you know, like in in some of those harder moments, I I met some guys that became lifelong friends that like, you know. It encouraged me and gave me tips like hey have you had any sodium today what's that you know why would why would you do that like, I, I got a water bottle man i didn't even have one of these last time so i'm like you know. uh, so it took a couple of years to like figure out how to strategize and how to fuel and and how to actually like race rather than do them as long training runs and um and to realize that it actually was a sport you know that it wasn't just a bunch of people that couldn't hack it on the roads that like there were there were like some legit athletes in the sport and uh so yeah it took me a couple years to figure that out and so i I kept going back to hag lake and um so two years later uh i was healthy um things were less stressful with my work i kind of got into a groove there and um i wouldn't say things were good at home but they they had gotten to a point where it was just like, this is what it is. And so whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I, I, I was coaching and teaching high school at the time in rural Oregon. And, uh, yeah, I, I was able to hop into some races on the weekends when, when my athletes weren't racing. And, um, so yeah, I went back to hag and, um, was feeling really good and i knew that max king had set a course record that was like 20 minutes faster than anyone had ever run and over 20 minutes faster than i'd ever run and um the stars just kind of aligned and and i just went for it um (laughs) because i felt good and because i was just like you know i haven't actually ever 20 20 minutes is wow okay yeah and that's a lot for it was that 50k it was a 50k yeah Yeah. and so it's a it's a two-loop course around a lake um and you know some years are muddier than others I think the previous year Ryan Bach was there and Yassine DeBoon was there. And, um, there was a, a guy right out of college that, you know, was like a really fast 10 K guy, like a 28 minute 10 K runner that was kind of making his ultra debut as well. And so like we threw down, um, and I, you know, it was dark and cold and, and I didn't do as well. And so I, I didn't have any expectations, but I, I finally like wanted to see what I could do if I raced. And so I just went for it and, um, I, my nutrition was dialed in. Um, I, I was fueling regularly and it just like, I, um, I broke Max's record on that course and, and, and he had already become was somewhat of a mentor to me. I mean, I, I had already admired him from far. The fact that he was a local Oregonian, the fact that he didn't qualify for the Oregon state meet. And so he wasn't highly recruited. Um, 
the fact that he was got into a school on an academic scholarship and then just kind of worked his way <laughs> up to becoming an all-american things like there were a lot of similarities and i just liked you know his hard nose like grind through it he's to become a, a better runner he's taken um, a lot of guys under his wings and i have a lot of respect for him just out of that respect like not not even uh his own running abilities and skills like just yeah men- he, mentoring and he really is i mean he's done yeah. a tremendous amount for the community um yeah. and he he probably wouldn't want me you know announcing this or publicizing this but right. um most of the kids that i a, a large majority of the kids that i coached um in that town couldn't were running so much and had little enough means that they weren't able to keep replacing the shoes that they were running through and uh max uh both as a professional athlete and as a shoe buyer for a local store in bend um, foot zone he had access to a lot of shoes and so he anytime i was in bend he'd he'd like tell me i had to stop by and he'd like fill my trunk fill my back seat with shoes to bring back to my kids and so there are still kids breaking collegiate you know school records and you know crushing it at the very least still running because max king gave them shoes in high school that's awesome uh, i I love that like the untold support that some people get and yeah and max king wouldn't want you to tell that story that's that's amazing that's really cool um and so how how he was the first to congratulate me after the record like it wasn't like oh man i lost the record it was like sweet man i'm stoked for you and uh and then it was hey this is kind of the wild wild west of sponsorship how can i connect you with people like who do you how can i help you navigate this and so he connected me with uh with swiftwick and he connected me with with some of his other sponsors and so you you have a huge potential within ultra running you might get some free socks (laughs) (laughs) that was right how it was back then yeah oh man I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's changed a huge amount. But that's awesome. That's a really cool yeah. story. I like that. And so, you see, you you continue to crush 2013. You throw down at the uh, Mount Hood 50 mile race. What is that? A new a new course record with. I'm trying to recall all the super elites that have run that race because that's a pretty big one out out west. Correct. Yeah, yeah, it's a um, because of the timing and because of kind of where it is. There are a lot of people from Portland, Eugene, Bend, Seattle, uh, and then you know it's become so popular that a lot of people travel from around the world. Like I, I coach people uh, from New York that have tried to get in, and it it fills up so quick. Like it's it's a it's a very runnable, um, but still very scenic and shaded um, fifty miler. Uh, it's all on the Pacific Crest Trail. And uh, again, that same community, the same race, race directors that put on Hag Lake, they they direct um, Go Beyond Racing directs um, fifty, the Mount Hood fifty, and um, so again, it was it was like going home. Like, do you do you still hold that course? Do you still hold that record? I believe I do. I, I I broke it. I think Ian Sharman held it before. I think he had like the top two times, and then I broke his time, and then I. I went back a couple of years later and and broke it again. But um, yeah, it's so you uh, got to watch out for him. Yeah, he has, yeah. He has something personal to to lay out there again. Um, yeah, it's a it's a great um, a great course, especially for a fifty mile. 
I, I think it was my the second 50 miler I, I ever did and and it I felt like okay this is like this is perfect this is my sweet spot so this one so where does the uh treadmill the 50 mile treadmill world record come into play here how does that um, even pop up on the radar because I know you're doing you you said you're doing 10 miles a day on the treadmill to lose that 25 pounds and as a reward if you got your you know all your reports and uh homework done you could do an extra few miles on the treadmill like like where does that pop up and just walk me through that um so kind of after the mount hood runs i i felt like that was a distance that that worked for me and for my body and and to be completely honest like i mean i i I did that off of probably lower volume than even when I was like training to qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. Like I was, I don't think I've run over 80 miles a week since regularly since I was in college. And, um, and usually lately it's more like 60. Um, if I'm like in training mode, that's like a good week. If, if I can, can we, can we go down this, this uh i don't know path or rabbit hole or whatever because i just talked to michael owen he said literally the same exact thing and yet he just took sixth place in the columbus marathon you know big city marathon and he set out you know huge course records and his mileage since college has just slowly declined i feel like you guys are you getting just more experienced and you have the base and you realize like 150 miles a week is stupid or like what's <laughs> what's going on there because there's a connection that i'm seeing with some of these you know the smarter experienced ultra runners um you know for me it's 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 just what works for me uh it's not it's not a, a set number that i'm that i'm looking for um i i honest it's it's more like an afterthought like i notice it and it's like oh cool <laughs> I had 60 this week or oh, I'm almost there. So I'm, I, I'll be fit pretty soon kind of thing, but it's not. Uh, so, so that's kind of a good baseline for me to um, find uh, that, that 60 mile week. I find um, much more than that. It's, I feel like I'm, I, I generally find that I'm, I'm uh, taking time away from my family and I, and it, yeah. it just doesn't, just doesn't work with, um, with the rest of my goals, uh, with the rest of our goals. Um, and, and it, it, I, I feel like if I go in healthy and if I do the necessary work, um, and more than that, if I know that I did everything that I could while still trying to maintain that delicate balance with, uh, with my kids and with my wife and with work and everything and with rest and diet and, um, <laughs> I'm I'm in a place now where it's just like you know let the chips fall where they'll fall I'll throw down with anyone for as long as I can and I don't know I'm I'm stubborn and and I I think I was gifted with some some genes that make it so that I you know I'm not fast but I can I can run at the same, at the same rate for a really long time yeah. so um I, I, and I, I don't mean to downplay like i know that so, sometimes if i say a, a, a marathon time people are like no way that's you can't say that's not fast yes relative to the general public that's that's fast but in the running world like the times that i have run or could run on the roads or on the track like they 
they're not they're not going to shock anyone. Um, they're not going to stand out to anyone. And so um, I, I don't have that speed. I don't have a fifth gear or a sixth gear, but I, I do, I've, I feel like I've found um, what works and I try and run or train specific to whatever the, the races that I'm doing. So or let's I, just say I, you, I don't mean to cut you off. If, if you're doing a yeah. hundred plus miles a week versus it seems like you're more mature, like, you know, 60, 70 mile, like listening closely to your body and, you know, what the mileage you're doing now, like when it comes down to the JFK, let's say 50 miler, mm-hmm. like what kind of difference does 140 mile weeks make when it comes to JFK race day, as opposed to 50, 60, 70 getting good night's sleep, having family time, low stress. Like, mm-hmm. is there a per mile, like, is it 30 seconds a mile difference in those training stresses or like, like is there any correlation? Yeah, I, I think there is. I, I don't think it can necessarily be measured other than here's how I would measure it. Um, the risk and reward, like the, the, the chances of me actually showing up healthy to the JFK are quite, low if i fixate on a number especially over 80 miles a week um i i wouldn't i probably wouldn't be in a good mental space if i tried to do more than 80 miles a week and the chances of me getting an a niggle that becomes an injury or or is just always there causing doubts to creep in and and potentially you know causing me my gait to not be as efficient as it could and should be um it's just not worth it to me. So I'd rather, I'd rather be as healthy as possible and, um, just throw down for as long as I can. And, um, if, and when I'm healthy, I I can usually do that. Um, and, and it's, it's always served me well. I've, uh, I've run my best races, whether it be, um, whether it be the 50 mile treadmill world record or, any trail course records that I've set or any road marathons or course records. Um, those have, those have been run off of mostly base mileage. It seems like when I, for me, when I get into what other people would consider like what you're supposed to do, uh, to, to really sharpen your speed. Um, that's when the, the risk of injury increases too much. And so, you know, I just do a lot of, Uh, easy running and then also a lot of um uh, just kind of steady efforts and um and that's that's what works it it seems like if i do too much short fast stuff it takes me too long to recover and and sometimes things get flared up so i just i mean i i had the same experience from middle to back of the pack like following some regimented strict plan i have to go run eight miles today like regardless of how i'm feeling mm-hmm. I, i've started listening to my body really closely and you know doing similar like a lot of slow easy miles just having fun out there and time on your feet and you know using a progression of races to slowly build my base you know it's it's helped me from middle of the pack so it sounds like it's almost helping you at the the front elite elite pack is that fair to say 
Um, yeah, I think. I Are think you regimented? Be... Like, if you have an eight mile run that you have to do today because it's on your plan, do you? I mean, it sounds like you no, can I... just go do it. No, I, um, I, I'm not regimented. I usually do whatever I can fit in the time that I have. So, okay, interesting. Yeah. And and because we don't have to go over gear, I wanted to focus in on the uh, 50 mile treadmill and then obviously the Canadian Road 50K Championships, and uh, then maybe a few quick quick questions and just appreciate all the time you're taking here. Um, sure. How did you mentally prepare, how did you handle the 50-mile treadmill world record? I mean, did you go in thinking, this is a world record, like, I can, I can do this, like, this is doable? Or was it like, were you on mile 40 and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, like I can actually hit this world record. Like, like did you um, go in going after the world record? Uh, I did um, because it was, it was close to what I had hit before um, on, uh, it, it was, it wasn't too much faster than what I'd run at the Mount Hood 50. And so I, I felt like it was, um, yeah, it was doable, uh, because, you know, that was the trail and there was everything. over 5,000 feet of gain yeah. and stuff like that. And I was wearing, yeah. you know, trail shoes and, and things like that and, and a pack and, and things like that. So, huh. um, yeah, so I, I felt like it was doable, but I, I honestly, my plan was to just try and run, like start close to that pace and just kind of work my way into that pace and. I didn't anticipate that. I, I think the record was like just under six hours, and um, so that was just under seven minute pace. And so I, I kind of that was my plan was to just try and do that, and uh, and uh, it that pace within the first hour started feeling like inefficient. Like I, I just kind of naturally felt like it was inhibiting me. Like I, I wasn't actually able to. I didn't feel good running at that pace. So I just kind of sped it up so that I wasn't bumping my knees on the, on the front of the treadmill and it gradually worked its way down to six minute pace. And then it just kept <laughs> getting faster toward the end. Um, and wow. it, it really didn't start hurting until like the last hour or so. Um, and, the, and it was more just kind of like, okay, I, I, I wasn't chasing time, but it was sort of like, man, I want to, I want to be done. So I just like, <laughs> tried to pump it up as fast as I could to go as, 50 miles <laughs> over <laughs> to get it over with. So, um, yeah. will you ever do that race or that, that world record again? Do you feel like you can lower the bar? Um, I, f I feel like that was a special day. And again, I think it's in part because I didn't go in with a lot of expectations. You know, the hope was to, to get the record and, um, and it, honestly the goal was to get a treadmill. And so, um, I, I sort of presented it to, to some companies and said, you know, this is, this is what I'm looking to do. It, what I was really looking to do was avoid, um, having to, um, having to buy a treadmill, but also having to repair a used treadmill or how to having to move a used treadmill five different times because it was it, like, I just didn't want to keep recycling treadmills. Um, I've, I've repaired them before. And I've broken them before, and I, it's just 
it's a pretty high ticket item and they require a lot of maintenance if you don't get the right ones and so especially I, with your mileage on them I yeah mean, <laughs> 10 miles a day are you still doing 10 miles a day on those roughly no, like during uh, the winter time yeah i mean if, if i'm training for something specifically like last winter i i was training for boston and so you know in in calgary alberta there's snow on the ground pretty much all winter long from about october november all the way till april or may and uh so um i um yeah when i was training for boston i i trained on it but uh this last winter i was injured and so i I really didn't do a lot on the treadmill. Like once, once I started running again, I started doing some, but I, it was significantly less than last winter. And I, I tried to just do as much as I could outside. And, and I spent quite a bit of time on the bike and in the gym and, and actually just, I spent two months doing almost nothing. So, yeah. um, just you, trying to, I, I love, up, so. I love biking. And honestly, I think I was influenced a little bit by just speaking to your brother about how much biking he does. Yeah. And it's been amazing cross training. If you look, it's really helped my knees and the muscles around my knees and, um, yeah. And just generally like easy cardio type workouts. And I've, I'm amazed actually, like for how yeah. few miles I've put in, like it's great cross training. It's fun, heavy mountain bike. Mm-hmm. Um, do you utilize that a lot? Uh, I I do as often as I can, and so I yeah. I try not to drive unless I absolutely have to. So oh wow, a lot a lot of my running is um, pushing a stroller with one or two kids in it, or or pulling <laughs> pulling a bike trailer. You know, if we're going to get groceries or whatever, bring the kids with me and load up with groceries. It's a lot harder running uphill on the way back. <laughs> Let me know when so, the... so you fill you fill the whole thing with groceries and just cruise back with the kids. Yeah. I mean that's yeah, resistance kids, training. So. Yeah, so so a lot of my easy running and stuff like that, I you know I, I may track it um, on Strava or whatever um, or with a Garmin, but I I try not to give too much stock into you know, what it is or how fast it is or anything like yeah. that. I I just do it. Um, time, it's and, like time on your feet, pretty much. Like yeah, yeah, and then I I just try and prioritize one or two runs a week they're usually one of them's I, I they're probably both medium long runs and then i try and do some intensity in at least one of those and i find that that works currently with my with the current setup um with kids and work and everything i try and kind of have them as bookends like a, a long run on monday and a long run on friday but you know they're they're usually less than two hours but i try and um get do my workouts in in the middle of those runs um so like kind of fartlek type things or steady state um interval type things or just rolling hills and striding up and down the hills and so then, are you a believer in like 80 20 like 80 percent of your runs should be easy yeah 20 percent hard is that kind of your philosophy also yeah yeah absolutely so okay. and and i would say you know for me, I, it, it's probably a higher percentage um, of, of actual running. I I did need to get in and do a little bit more muscular strength type stuff over the winter. And um, so it's higher I, on, on on which side of the scale? Uh, higher on the aerobic side, like on the. So you're nine, the ninety easy. ten. Probably, 
yeah um awesome because because right. even even like threshold stuff is still under the aerobic umbrella i would say and i so yeah it, some weeks i may have one kind of intense run and it still usually isn't like touching on my vo2 max um a, a good week i may have two workout type efforts but still because of what i'm doing most of the time i'm if i can touch on my threshold a couple times a week that's that's enough stimulus um and and especially coming back from injury i'm not going to just jump right back into strides and doing really explosive motions when my my leg just snapped you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to take it as slow as possible so if i can if i can do mostly easy runs and then put in some some steady state and some threshold type efforts that'll usually do it i you know i in this last build up i there were probably maybe four days out of four months that i did strides um and you know i i would i would prescribe to most athletes that i'm coaching that are healthy to to do them you know once a week or more but for yeah, me you're, that you're typical track tuesday or whatever is that uh, yeah but yeah. but even that i mean it's not a structured speed workout so to speak it's just doing some some neuromuscular stuff um yeah. at the end of an easy run or something but but for me i just wasn't there yet i i needed to make sure everything was completely healed before i started nothing doing like anything. doing strides how, how do you describe strides to the listener for a listener who doesn't know what those are um so i would generally uh do a, a thorough warm-up at least 15 to 20 minutes sometimes even 30 minutes or even a whatever your easy run is going to be for that day and then the strides would just be you know 15 to 30 second accelerations so start at, from a dead stop and then uh build up to what feels like a sprint and then decelerate uh, so that could be between 100 and 200 meters um and you know maybe a, a, a block of a street if that um, maybe just um telephone pole to telephone pole or something like that um, yeah. and then usually a jog or walk or or, or re just like standing rest recovery until you catch your breath or until your heart rate goes back down and then you do it again and uh you know you can do them at a at an incline or a decline depending on kind of what you're what you're aiming for but but they're meant to just kind of uh, prime your your legs and your lungs and but mostly your nerves to to potentially do some some longer more intense efforts down the road and so you know before before integrating serious speed um stuff i would do i would do that sort of thing even even in the middle of a run um where you're just you know running on some rolling trails and, and you just kind of accelerate on the uphills or on the downhills and that's yeah that's exactly what i've done i haven't actually done strides from like the static like standstill start yeah um which i probably need to do but i always find like at the very end like i've done five miles let's say and then can blast out like a few of them yeah for that last mile just get four or five of them in and yeah, I, I think for most people, loose, uh, you know, you're loose and you feel good and nothing's going to break. Yeah, you just got to go for it. I, exactly. I, I think for most of your listeners, that's the best way to do it. Um, if you're training for an ultra, that's the most specific to ultra training. Um, and so, yeah, just do it on do it in the middle of your long run. Do it on your easy runs. It, it, let it happen organically. Don't don't force it. Um, just you'll find that, you know, once you're feeling good, you're going to want to pick it up. So 
I find even in shorter distances, the, the athletes that, that I've coached that have run really fast, even at like 1500 or, or 3000 meters, <laughs> they're like I am in terms of, you know, like they ran some of their best times off of base training where their workouts were easy runs and mm-hmm. one long run a week. And then maybe a cut down run or a progression run and, and a run with some strides, but, but kind of in more of the organic fart lick type sense where it was just a run that that rolled and they just kind of stride it out I, when, I when they felt it. like striding out yeah I, I love it I mean I think honestly like most of us like middle back of the pack guys would benefit most from doing 90% instead of 80% easy runs as weird as that sounds I totally agree with you like for what you're doing personally um, and like my last stride related question I've I've gotten amped up and done some like mile two of like, let's say a five mile run and oh my gosh. So like a mile of strides thrown in at mile two kind of downhill crush and then finish with three miles of just getting back to the house. Like, is there an advantage to that? Because I've, I feel like I suffer pretty good for that mile three, four, um, and I feel like it's, it's actually helped me. Is that something that you've heard of? Is that normal? Like throwing in almost like the fart lick, kind of just a hard mile early yeah. so that you're, it's almost like a back to back run type feel like where mm-hmm. you've crushed the early section and then you got to like gut it out to finish your run. Is that something you ever recommend doing? Yeah, um, I think I think for most people, um, especially as we get older, I I still think that a, an adequate warm up is is a, is an important thing to do. So so as long as you've been moving for as long as you're not getting up from sitting or sleeping, um, yeah. you 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 work your way into it. I think that's fine. Um, but I would, but I, I definitely understand uh, like what you're saying in terms of like starting off fatigued and then trying to hang on. Um, but I, I typically try and encourage people to, to start easy and, and increase the pace as you go. But, but that doesn't mean that you can't, you know, after, after 15 or 20 minutes of easy running, run a really hard mile, catch your breath, run another really hard mile, catch your breath, or, or just run a really hard mile earlier in like the workout, like you're saying. Um, but, but I, I try not to paint myself into a corner either. Like I, I don't really like labels and when people yeah, get all tribal and, you know, <laughs> whether it's about the diet that they are currently, you know, following or the type of footwear that they wear or whatever it is. Like I, toast, I, toe socks. Are yeah. The, are the only socks. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> so, so in, even, even when it comes to training, um, there, there are many roads that lead to Rome. That's, that's definitely a philosophy that I cool. um, adhere to. So I, if it works and, and if someone else has had success with it, I, that's great. Um, I, as a coach, I, I, my goal is generally to, to minimize risk and, uh, and, and try and maximize gains. And so I, and, and the majority of the athletes that I have that, um, pay me to coach them, um, are generally older and not quite as spry as, uh, as maybe, you know, we were in high school and things. And so yeah. I, 
I feel like I'm beating a dead horse sometimes, but uh, it's the warm up is really important. And um, and I'll, I'm not knocking November Project or or other boot camp type environments, but but generally when an athlete lets me know that they have been injured or they've they've got something that's bothering them, it, it's been because they they show up to some sort of group, really intense high intensity interval training type thing. And it's not that there's anything wrong with those, but they often get out of their car and just start sprinting yeah, uh, yeah. without a warm up, without, w- without an adequate dynamic stretching. And, uh, and so that, that, that's one thing that I would caution people against is just don't, don't get out of your car. Or don't get so out, that's, de- out from your desk and, and jump right into a workout. So that's that's part of your logic in adding strides at the very end is that you're you've you've put in you know forty five maybe an hour's worth of running and then you're hitting it as opposed to I mean my my two mile hit is more of undisciplined like oh I just did a big climb it's time to like actually feel like I'm moving forward and then a mile later I realize oh I'm a total idiot (laughs) but I love that run don't get me wrong but so you're saying you put strides at the end so you reduce the injury um, yeah you're good and warmed up yeah okay but 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 again as long as you know a two mile warm-up is sufficient uh and and so I'm 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 all for the strides uh in, in fact I I prefer that most athletes that I coach do them in the middle of their run, but that run needs to be 45 minutes or longer. You know, they need at least, they need a, at least a 15 to 20 minute, really easy warm up. And so like ideal strides are two mile, roughly warm up, easy jog run, and then hit it for like roughly a mile or whatever it is. And then two miles back. Is that something? Um, yeah, I mean, the the hitting it for a mile would be, you know, go hard for 15 or 20 seconds, Yeah, jog for a minute or more, mm-hmm. go hard for 15 or 20 seconds. Yeah, it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be anything more than, um, it, like, it wouldn't be a, a full continuous mile. Absolutely not. No. Right, right. Um, that's awesome. I am glad we went down that route and got some kind of, like, you know, some of your coaching background in there too. And I want to finish up like last question before we get into some quicker questions. Cause I know you've taken a lot of time here. Let's talk really quick about the uh, Canadian road 50 K championships, kind of what you've been through leading into the 2018 edition. And I know you've had some pretty good success there previously on your, your other two wins. Um, so, so yeah, this year was, was a little different than years past. Um, I, I had a, a frustrating experience at, at JFK 50 last year. Um, it is a race that I've wanted to do for a long time. It finally worked in the schedule, uh, worked with, with my family's schedule. It's a, it's a part of the country that I definitely wanted to see and share with, uh, my family. And so we made the trek and, uh, you know, training wasn't going great, but it wasn't going poorly either. And, and generally, if if I'm healthy, I, I feel pretty confident. And so, you know, I felt like I'd done enough work. Um, but, uh, you know, as I, like, was making my final preparations, 
um, I felt a, a snap in my in my leg, and this was like two days before the race. We and, talked uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, and and you know the week of the race, you always have race day niggles or like or like taper week niggles and you know doubts creeping into your mind and stuff. Yeah, and it was already too late to cancel the flight and stuff, and you know to be completely honest, a few weeks ago leading up to the. Uh, Canadian uh, championships, same deal. It's like, oh man, which shoes am I going to wear? These ones hurt this. and <laughs> the, the shoes don't, but like when I wear these, it, it works for this part, but you know, I've got this thing going on my knee. And so, you know, you only want to wear these ones because they only have this much support here. And, and so it's like, okay, do I need more support in my arch or my knees or, you know, what, what does my body need? So there's always, there's always something that, um, you know, if you're going to go hammer for 50 to 80 kilometers. You're, you're going to want, to figure out what what works, but you're also going to notice all the little um, parts of your body that are kind of screaming at you. So uh, I, I still went ahead and, and ran JFK and um, got I think to like mile 24 or five and and just couldn't continue. And so I, I think I had to drop like mile 27 or 28. I don't remember exactly where it was, but uh, you know I I did the best I could and it was frustrating and um, it was didn't make sense because I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was just doing, you know, last, last week, just tune up taper, like just running on the treadmill, um, at the gym and went into some lunges. And like, as I went into like my last lunge, like as I was walking to the locker room, it just like popped, like I couldn't stand back up. <laughs> it just like buckled. Um, so yeah, it was probably stupid to run that race. Did um, you know something to... was seriously wrong? Cause I feel like we we had talked maybe like day after the race or something like that. And did you know there was something seriously wrong? Yeah, I had never felt anything like that. Like it was it was it felt serious. But again, like I said, I I try and just like push. I mean, we've we've trained trained ourselves to ignore some of that, most of that, I would say. Yeah. So um, I I didn't um i didn't know you know um i i generally have for whatever reason again i think it might be genetic it might be just ingrained in me but i often don't notice like when something is has happened to me like i i've cut my hand before and totally like been unaware that like i would had muscle hanging and blood like <laughs> flying all over the place so and again i don't know if that's nerves or if that's just like the way i'm wired so i i have a pretty high pain threshold and, and that hurt like really bad and uh and it scared me but again I, I i try and talk my way back from from hurt uh and pain yeah. and, and backing down so it was just kind of like ah oh, whatever like it's just i just got to go and grind out this race and so anyway i i we got back and it was disappointing and, and honestly as disappointing as not being able to finish that race um it was even more disappointing that i wasn't able to like i really wanted to run around the mall in dc with my wife and push the baby and like just she'd never been there and i i wanted to experience that that was that was like that's one of my favorite places. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of the few places that makes me proud to be an American. Like it's a really cool and, and sorry to, I, I'm just, yeah, it, it, it's a special place. And, and it, it, I'm grateful that, that the investments have been made for those museums and those monuments. And, and it, it kind of, 
pushes away some of the negative crap that's <laughs> been yeah. invading the news for the last two years. Yeah. And so it was just like, you know, let's let's go check this out. And I wanted to show her that, and I I was hobbling around and knew something was wrong, but I, I wasn't able to run it with her, and so she went out and ran by herself. And so I, I was mostly disappointed about that. But you know, I tried not to pout, and um, I, I I've been in the sport long enough that it's just part of the sport and uh and the last thing you want to do is take it out on your family or your friends or just <laughs> act like that's all you are as a runner and so you know i was busy enough and just tried to bury myself in my work and my family and um so yeah i i basically took two months completely off almost between eight to ten weeks i think i i rode my bike a couple times and, and what what was the final verdict as to what had happened uh, i broke my femur and so, um, that's wow. a, you can't put a lot of, um, pressure on that. Um, so you ran area. 28 miles of JFK at, at the pace you did with a broken femur. <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I swear I, we, I, we talked about this race and that never came up. Maybe I'm yeah. having, no, I, we just we, had we a kid two weeks ago. You yeah. broke your femur though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly why that happened and, um, what, what the imbalances were in my body and, or, you know, in, in the surface that I was running in. And, and, um, so I, I, I kind of went back to ground zero and or square one and, um, just like started from the ground up and, yeah. um, really tried to build my, my base and, and, and even found that, you know, some of the shoes that I ran in weren't great for lifting in. And, uh, again, that's not because ultras aren't great shoes. It was just, they were the best shoes to to lift in. So I started using, you know, their, their lifting shoes, the hit. Um, and so, you know, just finding things like that where I had just been a little bit more casual than I should have been about just like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to the gym, whatever, like I'm, I'm lifting. That's all that matters. But, it, but just finding that, you know, certain shoes put the pressure on, on certain yeah. areas, whereas it wasn't putting the pressure on other areas that needed to be isolated and things. So just little things like that, just learning, um, the nuances. Um, and so I, I did more, it, it, I wasn't doing anything crazy, but I, I did more resistance training than I have probably since high school. <laughs> and, uh, and I just really tried to, to strengthen my, my glutes and my quads. And so did um, you, did you put on 25 pounds except this was muscle instead <laughs> muscle. of fat? Um, yeah, we, I, I don't know when the last time was that I weighed myself. So I probably did. I, um, wow. I try, I try not to, step on the scale because it, all it does is reinforce that i'm i'm a you know 160 pound runner trapped in a 200 pound frame and so uh, <laughs> it always tells I, me i'm a dad that's what i keep yeah. that's what it keeps it, reading out to so yeah yeah um, so I'm, I, I'm very much a dad um but it was it was probably a good thing to take that break and um as as i've gotten older and as um you know family life has grown more and more dynamic i I try and respect that break and I, I try not to rush back. So I, I usually take at least two weeks off, um, at least from any formal training after any of my big buildup races. And, and I, you know, Amy and I have decided to just kind of focus on two key races a year and maybe do some local uh, B races leading up to them, but some, maybe not. And, uh, and, but, you know, in terms of, the cost and also just the time away from family and just the stress, um, and yeah. n not just for the race, but just everything else. Um, the, 
that's just what works for our family. And so, you know, uh, that makes sense. I, I try to focus on two races a year and, um, yeah, that's, that's how training works and that's how my recovery works. And that's, it's kind of the nature of our business. Um, you know, we, we direct races basically from May through or April through October. And so that's, that's our busy weekend season. So that cuts out that much more time from being able to train and race because we're putting on races on the weekends and, and our, we've got our kids with us full time during the summers and things like that. So, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to hopefully in the next few years, make a, a, a trip up North and experience some of your races here maybe on a family family trip yeah um beautiful part of the world so so we'd love to have you so. yeah it seems amazing um truly so canadian road 50k championships was the first race you signed up for post this uh this broken it was femur right yeah yeah broken um, femur like had you tested it out with any shorter distance races leading into that yes i i ran two half marathons leading up to it okay i assume road um, yeah yeah um you know the 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 championships were the road 50k championships as well and so uh last year i ran the same race but i ran boston five or six weeks before and and so boston was both because of where it was during the year and and how cold the winter was and the fact that i did almost all my training on a treadmill uh, boston was kind of like a it wasn't a b race but it was it was meant to sort of like help me prime myself for the championships is kind of how i viewed it last yeah. year um a little tune up yeah yeah because I, I think i took about a, a week or i'm sorry about a month off after the the um the treadmill 50 miler i just took like all of december off after that and then just kind of gradually started building up in in january and so that was that was the best i could do at boston but i just kind of used it to like as a stepping stone toward the, the 50k but this this past year i i didn't do a marathon in the lead up because i i didn't have enough time i, I didn't start training until february you know in terms of like actually like how, the how nervous were you on the start line or have you had so many kids, your perspective on life like mine has changed? <laughs> like, were you, were you nervous or did, was this race in full perspective having won it, um, you know, previously, like, what, how'd you feel? Like, were you concerned about the injury? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely was. I, I hadn't gone over, I think maybe my longest run in the buildup was like 23 or 24 miles. Again, I, I'd have to go back and look, I, I try again, I try not to put too much stock in it. Usually yeah. even on the days that I'm like, okay, I've got to get three hours in, it ends up being two and a half because I get out the door late or something comes up and I need to get back earlier or whatever. And that's just, that's just the way it works. And, um, so, um, you know, I felt like my volume was there. I felt like most of the time things were holding up, but it was still there. And sometimes you don't know if it's your, your head or, if your body is really still screaming and saying, Hey, I'm still not completely healed. And so, you know, I, I wanted to respect my body and I didn't want to push it beyond what it was capable of doing. And that's part of why I like was really gradual about building my long runs back up. Um, and why I, rather than doing one really long run or back to back runs, I, I kind of spaced them out and I did two medium long runs a, a week. And, you know, those started out as like two one hour runs a week and then two one and a half hour runs a week. Uh, I didn't do a whole lot of workouts. I, I did a, you know, a few long steady r- runs and then I did, I did two build up half marathons, like I said, and 
uh, neither of them went great. I think I, the first one I ran was four minutes slower than the same course last year. And then another one <laughs> was three minutes slower than that. <laughs> and, it's... you know, the, the weather wasn't great on either day, but it, it wasn't that much worse uh, than last year. And so I was like, man, <laughs> this is, I, it sucks, you know, not being as healthy as you've been before. And, um, and yet by the time the gun went off, I think it was actually probably a good thing that, uh, I didn't run Boston and I didn't have to recover for a week or two after Boston. And so I, I found myself at about the same fitness as I was last year, if wow. not better. And so, um, but it just kind of, the stars aligned. I did a workout maybe two weeks before and it's like, huh, okay, I can do that. Um, and it was with 400s, which I'm not usually good at, but, they, but I was doing some without much rest and, uh, I was able to hit paces that I haven't been able to hit in a long time. And, and I didn't do a ton, but I, it, it was sustainable and it was like, huh, okay, I guess, sub, I guess I'm back. Sub, but, sub 60 or what, what were you doing on your Oh, floor? no, 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 no. They were, uh, it was like 73 or 75, but I, okay. I think I did. 16 or 20 of them with wow, like geez. 30, 30 okay. second break. Like it was, it was like no break. It was just, <laughs> so it was kind of like, so the fact that I was running, you know, close to five minute pace without much recovery, um, made me feel something's clicking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, th and that was, that was always kind of a benchmark workout for me in the past. Like it indicated like, okay, yeah, you're, you're fit in this. And, but in the past I've, I used to do that, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks to, and, and would add four more 400s until I was doing, you know, 30 or 40 of them. And so, um, this was very much just kind of like I was beginning to feel fit. So I, I knew I'd be okay through 20 miles and I, and that's kind of how it went. I was, I was good through about 18 or 20 miles as most people are when they run a marathon or, uh, or something like that. So, you know, okay through two hours, but but the wheels started to fall off and, and my legs started hurting and everything started hurting. Like, like it always does, you know, mm -hmm. uh, no matter right. how fit you are, if you, you, are, if you, yeah, you are human. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, if you go to the well and if you, if you really are pushing yourself and you're, you're almost redlining, like it's, that's, that's what's supposed to happen, you know? And so, uh, it was more just a matter of like how, how much I could, um, combat that, um, deceleration, so to speak. Um, yeah. So. I, I mean, would you run it in 304 in change? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It was just under, um, 305. Yeah. Um, that's, that's insane though, that you almost Boston qualified a 50 K. <laughs> I mean, that's like a whole different realm. And, I think it's underappreciated the amount of gain. Like these aren't super flat roads for the Canadian Road 50K. Like, like there is definitely some gain to the race. Like it's not you're not like power hiking or anything. But it's how much gain is over over that 50K? Like, um, I I don't know the total. It's yeah. it sits between like 3,500 and 4,000 feet. Is kind of where. Um, so there's and four and four thousand feet. So there's altitude too. So so there's the altitude, wow. and then for for a major city marathon, it 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 rolls more than than most. Um, there there's a there's that's a amazing. fairly significant climb that's uh, half mile to a mile of uh, it. It's painful for a trail runner, um, I guess I should say. So uh, with any of those, even going over some of the bridges, I I. I 
I'm able to revert back to my, my trail running routes where I just yeah. say, you know, don't even look at your watch. Don't even worry about pace, just focus on effort. And so, you know, I, I probably ran like a minute, a mile slower on some of those um, climbs, but it was intentional so that I didn't blow up. Like there's no point in gotta, fixating on a pace. You got to throw in those easy six minute miles sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man. Well, congrats. Like, it's really great to see that. Like when I saw that on Instagram, on one of your posts, I was just, excited to see your back and it seems like you're fit again and um yeah i just having overcome a femur break i mean that's that's phenomenal so especially with with five kids at home um (laughs) and what potentially another another on the way too yeah uh within any day now yeah um we're due the first week of um of july Oh, but, awesome. Um, we made it through yeah. without any, um, yeah, well, I better not speak yet. We should get through this. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome though. So congrats on that. Cause I would, I would, I'd be very happy with a three Oh four and change on, uh, any road marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so Thank you. yeah, that's really awesome. Um, what, what is the fastest marathon you've ever run? Um, I've run 225 a couple times. 225. Yeah, okay. so not as fast as as Tommy at that either. So, um, I, I think I, I I was I was figuring it out when I found trail and ultra running, and I kind of just gravitated towards the trails and the ultras. And this is kind of where I feel more at home. I, I, I do I do like the roads though. I, it's partially why I like JFK, and it's why I keep doing the fifty k road championships. It's yeah, um, but um, at that elite elite level in the marathon um it's um i don't i don't have the time to to dedicate to to run any faster you know it's you you, you literally have to do um uh twice as much (laughs) volume or even if it's not that much volume just just going to the track and and you know carving out that time away from my family i just it's just not worth it to me anymore so i've heard um, eo wang say the same thing like the amount of lifting and like stretching and like every workout becomes a whole day's worth of effort um yeah I've, i've heard it before that's really fascinating and so what's the furthest you've run what's like the longest distance and most time you've run um I've run some hundred Ks, um, actually run some hundred milers, um, but dropped out at hundred K, uh, <laughs> run rabbit run probably. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was it. You're not, um, you're not alone there. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, about a hundred K and 12 hours I think is about as long as I've ever Jeez. run. And that, that, that was actually a, a, 50 miler in in patagonia that was just super gnarly and um yeah uh i i honestly don't like running for more than six hours <laughs> like, I, I think i, think <laughs> I don't 50K, think most people do but <laughs> yeah I, I i think 50k to to 50 miles on runnable terrain is 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 what i like you know it's it, it works for me you know i can train on you know the mild trails and bike paths and around my home and uh i can push a stroller and do training like that i i don't have the time or really the desire at this point in my life to to pursue 
any of the longer distances, both yep. in training, either in training or. You'd be in, the um, first guy to finish states with a stroller, with like, <laughs> with like a kid on your back and like two kids in the double stroller. Um, what's yeah, what's the? I, I would love to do that. You know, not not actually push a stroller, but I'd love to bring my family to experience Western states. Um, but at this point, uh, you know, like I said, it always falls in the at the time that. Um, that's busy for us both as a family and, and with the races that we put on and things like that. And so, yeah, uh, I've paced it and I've crewed it and I've, I've actually been offered uh, an elite entry and um, two years in a row, I think, and, and declined it. And I, I don't, I, I respect that race too much to take someone else's spot. Uh, if I'm not gonna, if, if, and when I run Western, I want to run to win and I'm not, that's I'm not, awesome. I'm not ready or willing to put in the time at this point in my life to do that. And, Maybe that time will come, and maybe it won't. But whether it does or doesn't, I I don't really care at this point. I'm, I have I'm, a lot of respect for that because the spots are so limited, and there's people that will devote years of their life to get into that. And um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for that. And it's pretty cool. Uh, Waitlist number twenty three, Dean Carnassus got in. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. yeah, I saw that got... on Twitter. That you mentioned that actually. It's that's yeah. phenomenal. Um, kind of excited to see what happens there um what's the uh and i just have like a, a small handful of questions here craziest wildlife you've encountered on the trails especially being in canada god god knows uh what animals um, you've come across or have come across you so we live in the suburbs of calgary and just in like our neighborhood um which is more urban than I would prefer, um, but it's it's as far out of the city as you can get. Um, I've run into two moose and coyotes, um, and this is like in our neighborhood uh, near like a major train and bus station and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we bumped into bear quite a few times. Um, like grizzly? I haven't actually encountered a grizzly on a run before. I've seen them um, like that's, on the side of the road that and stuff scares, like that. That just scares the <laughs> hell out of me. Yeah, we, we do put on um, a race in uh, – it's the only permitted trail race in a, in a Canadian national park. And the last two or three years, we've had to reroute the – like the night before the race, the – the reservation or the the conservation officers have told us that we have to avoid basically cut a portion of our course because there have been some juvenile grizzlies just kind of hanging out along the trail um so i haven't personally spray painting yeah things yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh no they were just weren't responding to like rubber bullets trying to deter them from the trails it was kind of like um encouraging uh, them to yeah that's a uh, they, they were problem. getting belligerent so uh so yeah there there are a lot of bear in certain parts of uh, most of the races in uh any any cat experiences at all no i i, I have neighbors that you know also live in suburbia and even like down closer to the city that post pictures every once in a while of, like a bobcat on their porch or like leaks yeah. or whatever and uh I haven't seen any. I, if I were to own a cat, that would be the only type of cat I'd want. I wouldn't want to like have it in my house, but I'd love to have it to eat all my neighbors' cats. Um, and, <laughs> I've seen uh, one of those. I thought, it was a, I thought it was a hairy dog, like, but yeah. I, I wasn't actually running. I was in a car, thankfully. Well, 
Yeah. My apologies to all the cat lovers out there. I, I'm sure they're great. I just don't like them digging up my garden. So, um, <laughs> and pooping in it. So. Yeah. Well, your uh, natural fertilizer. Yeah. Um, kind of along the same lines as pooping. Um, what's what's your go-to food <laughs> for uh, like recovery? Do you have like a meal? Do you have like a go-to routine there? Uh, so one of the reasons I. I signed on with, with first endurance was because of their, uh, recovery drink, uh, Ultrogen. And, um, I, I used to only ever drink it like after long runs or like after a really hard workout, especially if I was like driving someplace to do it so that I'd have something quick to drink yeah. on my way home and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, especially after the break in my femur and just realizing that, uh, I probably wasn't getting enough calcium and, and was maybe malnourished a bit um, because I am uh, lactose intolerant. Um, I, uh, I've begun having it at least once a day, like as a smoothie or um, even as like a dessert type smoothie, but often, you know, for breakfast with, with like blueberries and bananas and yeah. stuff like that. So, um, and, and I like it because it does mix easily. So that's, that's probably my, my most consistent, um, recovery drink. Uh, and then I, I definitely consume a lot of trail butter and, um, a lot of Epic bars or just other Epic products. I, I try to not go, I try not to eat too much processed food. Um, Ultrogen and, and the multi V's being kind of the only exception. Um, in that I feel like those kind of yeah, <laughs> very similar. help sustain all the other stuff. But I, yeah, as much as I can, I I'm very similar fruits and veggies and, and meat and yeah, natural awesome. proteins. So lots of nuts. Yeah. As well. So yeah. Yeah. I would say I have an addiction with, um, let's see, cashews and some of those other almonds, yeah. some of those raw exactly. nuts. Jeez. Can't get me yeah. off of this. Um, no, they're, they're great and they're great for the kids. So it's nice that like I can pack stuff that I can <laughs> like portable. If, I, if I'm pushing the kids or you know, <laughs> have them on a backpack, they're always like, well, dad, are you going to bring some treats so we can have some? And so, you know, they, they definitely love trail butter or Epic bars or, you know, the Epic bites and stuff like that. And, and they, uh, but, but also just like the raw almonds and, and cashews and, um, those uh honey stinger waffles or whatever those things are um, yeah 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 exactly waffles, so yeah um and, and so i just have two more questions for you and i appreciate again you taking so much time for sure Thank um you. so you're a dad of you know almost six children here and one of the most common questions i get is how do you train with kids um and i only have two now so how do you train and excel at, at ultra running with so many children like do you have one or two tips for that that mom or dad that's listening to this that's like i i can't do this like i just don't have the time like what what kind of tricks do you have that you utilize um so the treadmill and the spin bike definitely help um but more than that including them in my training and and just realizing that I'm never going to have this time again with my kids. So I, 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 look, I, I look to guys like, like Jeff Browning, whose kids are now older. Like when, when Jeff's kids were my kid's age, I used to like, I, I, I could beat him at least at the shorter stuff when we would, the, the few times that we've towed the line together, like 
it wasn't even a question. Um, Jeff has excelled. I've seen other guys um, excel, like as their kids get older and as they've had a little bit more time to train and and go the distance. But I totally respect guys like that. Um, who so kids are just base building. Period. Is that what you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> however you want to see it. I I just like I I don't ever want my kids to to feel like they were they were in the way of me achieving, you know, whatever status I was trying to achieve. Like I've, that's awesome. I like I've done that. enough with school and, and, uh, professionally, um, n- not that I feel like I've, I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish in life, but, but in terms of like chasing those credentials and all the other, like jumping through the hoops to satisfy the man, like I, I'm done with that. <laughs> like, so I don't need that external validation from, whether it be ultra sign up or Strava kudos or course records or anything like that. Like I don't care. And I don't want my kids to feel like they matter less than, than anything. And so, um, my run, I, I try to run as much as I need to so that I'm as good a dad as I possibly can be and as good a husband as I can be. But sometimes that means that I have to work longer than I want and I don't run as long as I want. And it's because it's my other work that actually feeds my family and puts the roof over our head. And, um, yeah, so and that's, I, that's exactly where I want to end. I mean, I want to, I want to hear, cause sometimes I ask like, what do you recommend for someone thinking about running an ultra? Like, but I want to hear that question, like, you know, from a coach's perspective. Um, and gosh, we could probably have a whole series of episodes just talking training and coaching ultra running but um what do you from a coach's perspective recommend to one of your clients that is only done a handful of half marathons and maybe they have a marathon under their belt and they're thinking about the 50k distance or you know someone's crazy probably like myself thinking 50 miler like how do you approach that from a coaching perspective and Kind of what kind of recommendations do you have on that front? Um, you know, everyone is different. And so you do have to kind of understand what people's motivations are and, and what their experience is prior to kind of taking an interest in, in ultra running. Some people's former lives align very much with <laughs> with the type of demands of, of ultra running and some people it's like night and day different. And so, uh, you have to take into account all of those factors, but, um, a general approach that I take is, you know, don't, don't rush it. I, I was running for 20 years or so before I like started dabbling into ultras and, um, or at least 15 or so years of pretty consistent training. Um, and, and doing, like I said, <laughs> I was doing more mileage in high school than I currently am. Like, so I, like, I, I took it pretty seriously in high school and college. I, you know, morning runs, evening runs, you know, lunch runs. Like I've, I've been all over the place in terms of volume and intensity. And there just isn't enough time in the day to do that anymore. And I, and I don't think most people need to do that. I, um, I'm grateful for what, Anton did in terms of what he created in the blogosphere and but I think one of the <laughs> one of the worst things that 
came of that was that a lot of people read his blogs and then tried to replicate it off the couch. And it was like, no, this guy also two hundred mile weeks. Yeah, yeah, and it not only broke him, but it it broke anyone that attempted to do that in minimalist shoes <laughs> or any shoes for that matter. And so, yeah. like, I, again, I all the respect in the world for the guy and I, and he was out there pushing the limit and he was a, a trailblazer in so many respects. Uh, but I, I think even if he were as you know, in hindsight, if he, if he could still be running with more regularity, I think he would probably choose that over having to kind of like tone it down, you know, um, yeah. as much as he has, uh, I, I, I know he's found other pursuits, but, and again, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent, but, uh, no, I, yeah, I, I think I, it's I, I think valid. I, I yeah. think you're you're a spitting image of like okay you can be successful in ultra running and do 60 mile weeks like you don't have to do 150 mile weeks to be successful at ultra running and you know live a normal life and you know be a good dad and family man um you know it's possible to have success um and I mean I I just I respect that and it's something I try to convey because when I first started I was like oh okay like I have to be doing well over 100 mile weeks if I want to get good at this and like in retrospect I feel like I'm fortunate not to have the physical ability to do that because I would have been broken um, yeah I, I, I don't think most people do most, and, I, yeah. and, and, and I don't think most people have the life leading up to their introduction to ultra running to be able to make that sustainable. Like, you know, there, there are kids in Africa running more than what I run a week just to commute to and from school and they're doing it barefoot, but that's not North America. That's not, that's not most of the people that are on your show or that are listening to this show. Most of us grew up rather sedentary, um, and, quite comfortably (laughs) and you know it was a big deal if we if we played soccer yeah yeah, exactly yeah and so um you just have to gradually our our bodies are resilient but they do have to adapt and you have to gradually adapt you can't just throw it into something and and yeah even even a body that has been doing it for a long time mind mind breaks and most of our bodies break um and so you know i like i said i'm i'm still learning new things about things that i have to fix to any imbalances that I have so that I can continue to make this a sustainable lifestyle. Well, Jacob, I appreciate you taking the time. I'll tell you what, I'm glad my body didn't break on my last run. I almost twisted my ankle pretty bad. Uh, I am too, man. (laughs) Take care of yourself out there. You, you, you've got to be dad when you get home. So don't don't do anything too crazy. That is exactly what my wife said. She's like, you're not allowed (laughs) to break your ankle two months into our newborn, or at least for my first, I broke my ankle and I was only like two months a dad, and it was awful (laughs) because I couldn't I couldn't help out at all. Yeah. So like that's honestly a fear I have right now is like okay we have a newborn like I got to I got to be able to help out so but thank sure. you so much for taking so much time and where can yeah, people you. follow you on social media and where you know if people are interested in your coaching services where can they um contact you on that front Um so on social media uh on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook I'm Jacob Pusey uh, that's P-U-Z-E-Y. And then um, for coaching, it's peakrunperformance.com. 
and um, on Twitter, that's at Team Peak Run, and on uh, Instagram, that's Peak Run Performance, and on Facebook, that's Peak Run Performance. Someone, I, someone got the other the, the Twitter handle before uh, we did. But, uh. That's the worst. <laughs> and I almost forgot. Where can people check out the races? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. You um, so, so my wife Amy is the national race director for Five Peaks Trail Running, um, and so that's over thirty races. Uh, from coast to coast in Canada and and they are from you know 1k kids races up to um, like ultra distances and um, so it's um, it's kind of like trail racing over Texas but throughout Canada um, and that much bigger so um, really cool series there so if you're ever in Canada there there are usually races uh, within an hour of any of the major metropolitan areas um, the major cities and um also the trans selkirks run um and so that's at transselkirks.com that's t-r-a-n-s-e-l-k-i-r-k-s.com and that's a a three and five day stage race in revelstoke british columbia awesome and, uh, yeah I'll, I'll be hopefully checking that out at some point in the future and and thanks again for taking so much time i really enjoyed it yeah, thank you. Me too. I really appreciate you yeah, yeah, asking me to come on. Really enjoyed it. Thanks.